0: And that is a a question that he has been answering over and over and over and over again. Every time I continue on my journey of discovering who I am, he keeps answering, this is what I saw when I made you. This This is why I put you here. This is why I gave you that charisma. This is why I gave you the voice. This is why I gave you the personality. I gave you these things because I had an idea of who you were supposed to be. The tripping part about it is that that relationship had to happen.
1: Yes, it did.
0: Because I would have never got to a point to where I was like, God, I need you. Right? So I don't regret the relationship ever. Yep. Don't regret it at all. I Mm -hmm. needed it because it was the tool that God used to show me that everything that you were up until this point was a lie. And so I needed to break you down completely to rebuild you into who I always intended you to be.
1: Brittany, let me tell you something. This episode is called Heal, Sis, Heal. But when I tell you I'm doing everything in my power not to completely break down on this episode, because when I tell you, you just talked about what I went through. Mm -hmm. I never imagined my journey would inspire people all over the world.
0: Hello. Hello. My name is Nema and I'm from Zambia. So I love the Dear Future Wifey podcast. For me to see people being so real, so honest, and so true about the real situations in life. Hey, I am Natalie from Belgium, and I would like to, to say thank you. I value your content because it is Christ-centered. You have set a standard in love future wifey podcast has um opened my understanding i highly recommend that everyone whether you're single you're married you're divorced you're widowed everyone to go follow this podcast
1: continue with me as i discover uncover and recover love i'm laterasar whitfield and welcome to the dear future wifey podcast happy new year lit family How y'all been doing? I'm so excited about the testimonies I've been receiving from the last episode. You guys have been taking the vow of abstinence with me. And I'm just just humbled by the impact that that episode had on the world. So thank you. Thank you so much. Continue to send me your testimonials. Also, what I want you to do is I'm going to have a link in this Uh, In the description, I want you to, I'm going to be requesting people sending me a video of like a little 30 second testimonial and I'll be putting a video together uh, of a compilation of all these, uh, all of you who took the vow of abstinence. I think that'll be extremely uh, impactful to show the world. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to Dear Future Wifey Podcast, what are you waiting for? Why are you shacking up with me? Go ahead and let's you know, make this thing official and let's get married. And be sure to continue to share these episodes with your friends and family members. A lot of y'all are already doing that. I'm humbled by that and I'm blessed by that. So continue to do that. I'm so excited to have today's guest on the podcast. She's a licensed therapist and mindset coach. She's also the host of the new podcast that premieres today is called I Am Worthy. I've been helping her uh, with consultation. So without further ado, welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast, my homie, Brittany Noel.
0: Thank you for having me. How you doing, buddy? I'm so excited to be here. How you feeling? Um super excited. I am grateful to be invited. Um, to be included in the number,
1: be included in the number. <laughs> I yes. just want to be in the number. Just want to be in the number. Yeah. So I'm
0: happy to be here. I have watched many of your episodes, um, and your guests are phenomenal.
1: Well, you're phenomenal as well. Thank and you. And so that's why I wanted you to have on this. Po- I wanted to have you on this episode. This episode is entitled "Heal, Sis, Heal." Mm-hmm. We did an episode with my buddy Jay Barnett. Uh, he's also a friend of yours. And um, called Heal Brother Heal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women have been requesting that we do an episode to speak to the women. Right. And I know that whoever God has in store for me, I want her to be healed. In my letters that I write at the end of my episodes, I always mm-hmm. talk about um, wanting her to be healed before we uh, encounter each other. Right. So that's extremely important. How important is it for people to seek emotional healing before entering into a relationship?
0: It's the most important thing. Um, Before you pick a spouse, before you pick um, where you want to live, before you pick what career you want, if you don't understand who you are, how you think, and how you get in your own way, you will be picking out of brokenness and then repeat the cycle that you just came out of. Mm. So if you want to pick a husband that can help you move into the next version of yourself, into the next version of your life, you have to pick from a healed perspective. And so... When you don't take time to do your own emotional work, all you're doing is replaying the same outcome over and over and over again. Then you look up 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and realize I don't really like my life right now.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, Brittany, what do you say to people that give their friends this advice? Mm -hmm. The friend gets out of a relationship with this guy, Mm -hmm. and the first thing that this friend says to the other friend, Hey, to get over one guy, get under the next. <laughs> what do you say about that?
0: well, um probably the most dysfunctional <laughs> advice I have um, ever heard. Unfortunately, it's very common, yeah and, and that's actually um the mindset for a lot of people and what I have seen as a therapist is that um whenever we experience any type of breakdown in our lives, right, especially in our relationships instead of processing the breakup we want to medicate the breakup there it is and you can medicate it with sex you can medicate it with shopping you can medicate it with eating you can medicate it with working out yeah um, we get really creative about how we distract ourselves from how we're feeling yes um, unfortunately <laughs> most times it's sex yeah yeah <laughs> um, so yeah I, I do not subscribe to that that ideology however it, it is very common
1: so, so why so why is that so common why is it that? People gravitate towards sex for emotional
0: healing. They feel like it's what they can control. So I, what's funny about that, when you said that, I was 16 when I first heard that. And it came from my aunt.
1: Your yeah, aunt was telling you <laughs> that or she was telling somebody else I that. was
0: going through a breakup in high uh-uh. school. Me and my, my high school sweetheart broke up. And, you know, I'm devastated. And I think prom was around the corner or something. I'm just like, oh, he doesn't want to be with me anymore. And my aunt, we're driving in the car. I we were at H-E-B parking lot. And she was, like, <laughs> she was like, okay, well, you know, don't worry about it. The best way to get over, man, is to get under a new one. And I was 16, but I knew in that moment, I was like, this is not. Something is not right here. <laughs> I didn't know what to call it. I just knew this is. Something is wrong with my family. <laughs> <laughs> Something is off. And, oh, you know, God. that goes back to, you know, how people feel like they can control the outcome of their situation. Yes. By if I was rejected by this man, I can go find one who makes me feel wanted, who makes me feel desired. Therefore, I'm controlling the situation. Yeah. Um, when really it's a false sense of control um, because really it demonstrates your lack of control over your emotions and your body. So
1: <clears throat> you said it shows a lack of control.
0: Yes. it's a lack of control over your emotions in your body because you're allowing your emotions to dictate how you respond to situations. Um, and then of course there's a layer in there of low value, low self value and low self worth. And you will give away freely what you don't perceive as being of high value.
1: You'll give away freely mm-hmm. what you don't perceive is of high value. Mm hmm. I think that that's one of the biggest things that we don't see valuable in our life. And it's one of our greatest commodities is our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so because it's so advertised, it's advertised. You go look on Instagram and you look on these social media sites and everybody, mm-hmm. you know, showing a body. And so you see it all the time It's something that people are investing in, whether they're um, getting body enhancements or whatnot. And so they want to show it. And it's the very thing that they say, I'm. it's the biggest struggle that we have in finding not only value in, because, but it's our biggest insecurity as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that our biggest insecurity lies in the very thing that we may find the least valuable. Um,
0: That's because most people are judging it by the perception of someone else.
1: Mm, mm, so mm, I mm.
0: value it highly if you approve of it. But if you do not approve, then I have insecurities about what that thing is. Okay. So the insecurity is is diminished when you say it's a value. And that is the problem for a lot of women is that we are looking for men to validate who we are, how we look, how we think, how we how we move. What does he think about it? Okay. If he approves, then I'm good. But if he doesn't approve, then I need to fix that. And it changes depending on what man you're with.
1: And it changes. Okay. You got to break that down. <laughs> Yeah, it changes. Come on, let's talk about that. It
0: changes depending on what man you're with, because as you're moving through life and you're having different partners, every partner wants something different. Of yes. You. And so if you don't have a firm understanding of who you are, despite the man, then you will go into these relationships and become a chameleon to whatever yes. that man wants you to be. Yes. And then you lose an idea of who am I? That's good. What do I like? What makes me happy? Um, and it creates a lot of self-doubt. It creates a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. Because if this man leaves, I'm left with this shell of who I am. And now I need to pick up the pieces.
1: What type of advice do you give to women? I've seen uh, a lot of your videos on Instagram. What advice do you give to women about yeah. finding their worthiness?
0: My advice, what, what the whole I Am Worthy movement is about is really showing women that, one, you don't need anyone's permission to be who you are, fully, authentically, um, despite whatever flaws you may think that you may have. And that movement was really bred through my own journey of really discovering who I was. Okay. So in my last relationship, um, completely lost in this person um, because I went into it not knowing who I was. And we met when I was 17. So it's not like I had yeah. a clear, <laughs> yeah. a clear uh, vision of who I wanted to be. But I was molded in that relationship into what he needed and so my entire existence was about okay well what makes him happy and and he likes my hair this way and he likes when i when i behave this way and and this is how i please him and so now i'm in this relationship and i have become what he needs me to be and i have forgotten what i was to myself and so when that relationship began to break down it creates a lot of anxiety yes and one of the major reasons why People will not leave an unhealthy relationship when they know it's unhealthy, is because if I leave this relationship, it means I have to figure out my stuff, and that's scary. Talk about it.
1: Talk about <laughs> that's it.
0: That's scary. And not only do I have to figure it out, but I also take, have to take responsibility. I
1: have to take responsibility.
0: Right. And so uh, many people opt to say, "Okay, well, let me put in another A couple year. more years
1: <laughs> to, to to try to few change more that person into exactly. what I really want." Basically, we, we stay in there wanting them to recognize our value exactly. and say, I'm going to stay there. And hopefully it's easy. We think it's easier to change their mind than it is for us to change our situation.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's more gratifying.
1: Because you feel like you won?
0: mm mm-hmm. They feel like they won. And then it, it feels like finally, you know, someone sees me, someone recognizes me. The I am worthy movement says I see myself. Whether you see me or not, I see my value, I see my worth. I'm not waiting for someone to say, here's the green light on who you are. You you have permission. I I give myself permission. And what I'm teaching is that giving yourself permission is a constant thing that you do every day. Yes. And you have an an opportunity in every area of your life to give yourself permission to show up fully, to show up wholly, to show up bigger than what you normally would, especially in your relationships. And for many women, it's giving myself permission to ask for what I need giving myself permission to say, hey, that hurt me, giving myself permission to say, I need more from you, Mm, mm, you know, or this is how I want to be loved, or that's not enough. (laughs) Because many times we talk ourselves into downplaying what we want so that we are easier to love, and that is a big lie. Oh,
1: that's good. That's good. That's good. We downplay who we are to try to make ourselves easier to love. Absolutely. I start I'm trying to think about that. I'm like, do do we as men do that? Do men say I don't think men adopt that ideology.
0: I think it shows up different it may show up differently for men and women. And and for men it shows up in what you do. Because many men define themselves by what they create with their hands True. and how I can show up and how I can provide. So, it's not that you would downplay it, but you would upplay what I can do yes. to validate my position in her life.
1: There it is. Girl, you better talk. Come on. Come on. Come so on. So I
0: have to show her that I can. I, I, here's my credentials. Yeah. Here, here's my list. Here's my resume. This is what qualifies me to be in your life. There it is. And the man that has a lot of insecurities about who he is and what he can provide will constantly over communicate. Will over um, extend himself, trying to prove his position in that relationship. God, that's what I. Whether I it's through. appreciated or not.
1: Yep. That's what I went through. I, I went through that with that toxic.
0: Yep. yep. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Lord Jesus. You it, went through that. Yeah. You ain't, this ain't, this wasn't supposed to be mm-hmm. for, uh, the men we're talking to, to the women right now. Mm-hmm. You over stepping on my toes right now.
0: Well, both men and women do it. We just, we just do it, do differently. it differently. Yeah. Um, and my whole thing is, is really helping women see that the key to really finding someone who can love you is to show yourself to the world. That you cannot truly find someone and, and even believe if you found somebody today and he says, I love you. I think the world of you, you're yeah. beautiful, you're great. But if you don't believe that for yourself, I'm just
1: going through one and out the other, you
0: will call him a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: He'd be like, yeah, whatever you lying? Why? Why? What exactly. you trying to get? What's the problem? Exactly.
0: What you- so I tell women, you need to know what you bring to the table. And you can't do that from an unhealed perspective. Yes. Because when I'm unhealed, I can only see the negative about me. I can only see the things about me that are broken. I can only see where I'm disqualified. I can only see all of my all of my mishaps, my mistakes. And so as I'm entering into a relationship, I'm expecting you to reject me at any given day. Mm, mm, mm. So now that I'm expecting the rejection, I move in a way that sabotages any happiness we could have had. Because I'm going a, I'm to a jump to the point before you get to it. God, Let God. me end this first. I'm going to end it first. <laughs> Right. And so for a lot of women, I show them how, you know, this could have been a a great relationship, but you you refuse to communicate how you feel. You refuse to let them in. Um, Knowing that you are worthy Mm. means loving without walls. I can't do that from an unhealed perspective. Um, One of the biggest things I think for women is we lose our power when we are hurt and we take the standpoint to say, okay, well, you know what? I'm a I'm a thug it out. You know, my walls go up. Ain't nobody finna hurt me. Yes. You know, and we create these these walls that have snipers on the roof, guard mm-hmm. dogs, machine <laughs> guns. And then we have the nerve to pray and say, "God, can I have a husband?" <laughs> Please, can I have a husband? <laughs> and God is like, "For what? So that you can hurt him?
1: Yes. So that you can
0: damage him?" Mm. Right. And so a part of of my own healing, I had to learn that in order for me to find someone to love, I had to be lovable. And that means that you cannot love with walls. You can love with boundaries and walls and boundaries are two different things. But um, many people feel more comfortable with the wall. And I tell them, okay, well, the wall is great. It stops you from getting hurt, but it also stops you from receiving because walls go both ways. So when you're blocking out the rest of the world, you're blocking yourself in. And that wall stops you from love. It stops you from growth. It stops you from really seeing the full potential of who you could be. Yes. So one of the scariest things I have to do with with the women I work with is bringing down that wall and allowing the world to see you. And you can only do that when you first look in the mirror at yourself and say, I'm pleased. Are you pleased with what you see? Do you get excited about you?
1: But how hard, like when you find people, <clears throat> you may meet somebody in their 40s or their 30s or whatever, and they've spent 10, 15 years building a great wall of China around them. And even uh, when I was growing up to hear about them tearing down these great walls and stuff, the when you learn the history of that, it takes a lot of work and political moves to tear down these great walls, the wall of Berlin and all that. Then... When you think about that and you parallel that to the lives of people that you've helped uh, tear down these walls, how difficult is it to really tear down these walls?
0: Hmm. It's easy for the person who has a vision for what they want to be. There it is. So um, mindset work is what I've always specialized in. And, um, before I was working with women, I actually worked with men. So, um, for four years I worked with combat veterans. So uh, rough of the roughest, yeah, toughest of the toughest. Yeah. And I'm coming in here telling them you need to have a vision. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I remember working with, with one, um, guy in particular and there's certain stories I just, you know, yeah, you, about start when you crying. know, like that's, yeah. I know what God put me here to as be, like that moment. was one. Yeah. And I always give, even now, every client I work with, I give them an assignment. They have to tell me, what is your vision? What do you see yourself becoming? Not as who you are today, not with your limitations, but what is the extent to how, how, how far can you see yourself? And they have to write it out for me. And he wrote it and it was like. It was so much fluff. It was, I was like, this is not, this is, I said, no, go back, do it again. He did it again, brought it back. I was like, this is still, you're just telling me what I want to hear. This is not real. Gave it back. The third time, he came to me in tears. And he's, he was begging me. He said, Ms. Brittany, please don't let me. He said, I, 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 I don't want to do this assignment. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about why you don't want to. And he was like, because I've been disappointed so much. Mm that I am terrified to dream again. And for a lot of people, what blocks their vision is they've been hurt so much, they've been disappointed so much that it is painful to even have this much hope of what I can be and what I can have. So the hardest part is moving them into a place where they can say, I'm not sure if it's possible, but I'm hopeful. Mm. Once they have the vision, the vision convicts them. I don't have to convince them. I don't believe in convincing anyone. Um, once they have a vision, e- even this small, of what they want and what they can have and who they can be, that dream is what's going to feed their motivation to keep it moving. And then at that point, it's about getting them the tools that they need um, and giving them the challenges that they need to move out of themselves.
1: When I say that, that, that just touched me. Because it is so true. It is so true. And when I think about um, the application in my own life, God always shows me the vision and then he goes back, reverse engineers it and then say, let's start here. Exactly. And so when people hit me up and was like, gosh, you, you know, you took a vow of abstinence. I said, well, because God told me that my obedience is connected to other men's freedom. So he showed me doing uh, a global purity ceremony for men. Mm -hmm. And I laughed at him back in the end of October, beginning of November, when I did the episode with Lestine uh, called Abstain the Game. And I said, that's funny. And then a couple of weeks later, I said, me, God? Like, am I worthy to do something like that? He said, yes, I'm going to qualify you. And I said, why me? Why me? Why? He said, because you'll be obedient. But he showed me that first, reverse engineered it, and then made my will line up with his will. And I had to see it. And that is so impactful because most people can't see the promise. They can't see the promised land. Um, God, that's that's. It's powerful. It's powerful. I'm trying not to to start preaching about even in the Bible when before they even got a chance to see the promised land, he got a glimpse and uh, sent the sparrows out to go find. Like that stuff is so powerful to me because once you see it, and that's what I try to teach my sons is show them Mm -hmm. where what it looks like to fulfill their destiny, and then reverse engineer it and say, "Hey, you got to overcome this. You got to get healed from this, um, so that you can be better." But powerful, Brit.
0: One of the things for a lot of women, myself included, is, you know, depending on your background and where you came up and as a therapist, yes, everything goes back to your childhood. Yeah. Um, Because by the time you're 12, you have already solidified ideas about who you are and how the world works. And then you take those ideas into adulthood. So for a lot of women, we weren't given a foundation. We weren't given an idea. We weren't given a model to say, okay, this is a woman of true value. You know, my aunt didn't abs- and accidentally come up with the idea of. <laughs> she was told that. <laughs> or it was her life experience. Yeah. That me as a young 16-year-old girl, she said, hey, here, let me give this to you. She was giving me her coping skills and her mechanism. Yes. That I rejected. And so for a lot of women Your key to healing to become the woman that you want to be or the wife that you want to be will first start to ask yourself, what is it that I need to reject about who I've become, about what I believe um, and about what I can have so that I can truly acquire the life that I want? Um, And it's I I call it disowning the labels. You know, by the time I was 16, I had already had so many labels about who I thought I had to be in this world. And it was all shaped on, on my background. You know, I always say I was I was raised by Amazons, strong black women, <laughs> you know, doing what they had to do to raise their children. They did whatever was necessary. But um, getting it done, being a single mother of five doesn't always mean that you're the most compassionate, doesn't always mean that you're the most loving or, or you're the kindness. And so I adopted that when people meet me now and I tell them, you knew who I was.
1: <laughs> she was a thug. There's a whole thug wow. out here in these streets.
0: <laughs> Listen,
1: she was a savage.
0: Hallelujah! Praise. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, so I had to really start to question: Is this who I am at my core, or is this who I become based on how I was raised? There it is. And what I have found with God is that with me, He, um, going back to what you said, He would show me examples of other women that I would look up to. And some of these women I knew, and some of them I never met. We never had a conversation. But I always say, God will give you a preview of what you can be. Mm. And when you see the preview, your responsibility is to look at that preview and ask yourself, okay, how do I measure up, and then where where is my work? Because that's where you're going to find your assignment. And I, I never forget, I used to share an office with um, a lady who, oh, she's just the most sweet-spiritist person ever, and I would come to work every morning and I'd just be grumpy for no reason. Just, it's eight o'clock, okay? I need my no <laughs> coffee. I'm tired, you know. You're, you come it's to bad work?
1: for no reason. No reason.
0: Like, you come to work every day at eight o'clock. They're not, ch- they're not changing this ever. <laughs> so, why are you grumpy about it? And I would watch her and she would walk into our office and be like, Good morning. I'm
1: like, Oh my gosh. There's always so one. Annoying. Yeah.
0: And I watched her every day and, and one day it just clicked for me and said, Why can't that be you? Mm. Why can't that be your story? Why, why have you adopted this negative mindset for no reason? <laughs> what, what is it that you have to disown so that you can become the better version of who you are?
1: What is it that you have to disown to become the better version? Is that how you said that?
0: Mm-hmm. What is it that you have to disown? And, and I always say start with your childhood. I, I disown that I have to be abrasive to get my word across. Oh, I disown that I have to be um, aggressive to be assertive. I disown that I have to minimize a man's ego in order for him to respect me. <sighs> that was a big one. That was a big. When I tell you the women, we can chop a man down, chop him down. Um, and the woman I am today, I teach men, uh, women how to speak to the king in him. I had to disown that it was okay to diminish a man to nothing because I felt like it kept me in control and realizing that my true value was not in, in, in belittling him, but lifting him up. Oh, God. And that all comes from a healed perspective. When you were healed, I don't have a need or desire to constantly control someone to feel like my life is going to be okay. But because I know who I am, whether you're here or not, I'm cool because I'm solid. So that way, when men come into my life, they are a, um addition to my happiness. They are uh, an addition to my joy.
1: Oh, my God. I hope this is resonating with um, a lot of women. And you know what? I think by default, a lot of men are a manning and high-fiving you because I don't think this is talked about much. Um, I don't think this mm-hmm. t- talked much about it all.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of male followers on Instagram. And when I post videos like this, the (laughs) men are always like high-fiving. And my thing is I'm very passionate about love. And I want women to find love. But I also see the barriers. Yeah. And I enjoy helping women remove their own barriers. Because, yes, there's external barriers that we do not control. Yeah. But the ones that we do control as far as how we show up in our relationships, um, you know, let's fix those. Yeah. And a lot of it is defense mechanisms. We are trying to defend ourselves from getting hurt again. And the yeah. only way that we know how to do it is to minimize ourselves um, and to use aggression. And neither one of those get us to the end goal of what we want, which is a loving, healthy marriage. And so I, I you know, my own mantra, I tell people my superpower is love because this very thing that I try to cut off because of heartbreak, I learned that by giving love freely, Often to people without expectations of it coming back to me, I realized um, it began to attract everything I wanted in my life. And so helping women understand that by cutting off your ability to love or show love only pushes you further out from the end goal. And, you know, I always get challenged when people say, well, I've been loving and I've been this and I've been that. (sighs) But when we get to examining the motives examining the motives talk about that and this is where you can i can tell if you're healed or not because there's this there's a there's an assignment i give to, to some of my clients and it's called love on purpose and i tell them to go out into the world and you are to love on everybody love on the the man in the starbucks line love on the person that held the door open for you you know, give affirmations to your friends and your families and just love on them on purpose because I'm trying to help them flex their love muscle. And they'll say, well, well why am I going to do that? You know, they, they can't do anything for me. They, they, they don't say anything yeah, they nice for me. start putting on somebody else. And I tell them, love is not about what you expect to get back. Talk. So when you talk about wanting to go into a marriage, marriage is not about how you will be served. It's how you expect to serve. So you flexing your love muscle is equipping you and preparing you for the marriage. You say that you want because you're learning how to love on purpose because there's going to be times where that man don't act right <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> where he is on your last nerve yeah. and you are still called to love him. So by loving on purpose, it's equipping you to be the loving individual you are no matter if the world is going the way you want it to go that day. And what stops a lot of women from being able to do this is that, Um, we are so consumed with showing up for other people, forgetting to show up for ourselves that we are operating on E many times that we are, um, depleting ourselves, trying to please the people that we have in our lives. And this is why I say examine the motives because we get away with it because they say, Oh, she's a great mom.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's a
0: wonderful nurturer. She takes care of the church. She's there for everybody. All the while, those are really her distractions stopping her from fixing her stuff. So, yeah, you're a great mom of the year. Mom of the year. But the minute you have an empty nest, you are going to fall apart. And I worked on an inpatient psychiatric unit with women for three years. And I would have women coming in 40 years old, 50 years old, psychotic breaks, depression, suicide attempts. And I'm like, well, tell me what's going on. The kids left. Why wouldn't your kids leaving, which should be a sign of success... Yes. Why would your kids leaving be the spur into a depress- a, a, de- a spiral of depression? And it's because you never built a life. You consumed yourself with helping other people so that you would not have to fix the parts about you that were broken. Mm. And now that the distraction is gone, you sitting here in your 50s wondering, what am I going to do?
1: <laughs> that is good. Yeah. And I that said, is good.
0: I, I really... Um, I always tell women heal the first time around. Let's not make this a, let's let's not make this a, a constant cycle. I don't want you in your fifties trying to figure out how to love yourself. I don't want you in your fifties trying to figure out how how can I communicate from a place of love. Let's heal the first time around, and that means that I can't medicate my pain. One of the hardest things for me when I was going through um, the breakup from my last relationship was literally feeling like I was in surgery. Without pain medication, mm, mm, <laughs> mm, 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 mm. and that's where um, you know. I, I know you know everyone. Everyone who follows your podcast is Christians.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> I get people from all kind of backgrounds. So you, you remember, my podcast isn't. I tell people this all the time. I want to make this disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Like my podcast isn't a Christian podcast. I, no, I, I responded to somebody on my um, in the comments today. They said, "This is you know." I see this podcast and this is just like all the other Christian podcasts um, that they don't use scriptural or biblical references Mm -hmm. for the uh, information that they put out there and all this. And I said, thank you for leaving your comment. I said, "Um, I am a Christian. This is a podcast. And, And that was it. And she says, I understand. Thank you for clarification. And what I was saying in that is that this is not a Christian podcast, because right. if I put it under the guise of Christian podcast and now that subscribes to your expectation. Absolutely. Now you're saying, well, it has to be this. And now I have to break down scriptures and tell you in first mm-hmm. Colossians three and four, it says this. And mm-hmm. that's why it's not that. And when the Bible calls us walking epistles, when people are watching my podcast, because this is my personal journey mm-hmm you are literally watching the book of the Terrors. Right. And so when you go read the Bible and you're reading these stories of these uh, flawed men pursuing a perfect God, mm-hmm. then that's exactly what it is. So yeah. I don't want you thinking this is something else. So this is, this is my personal journey and I have permission to, to show up Absolutely. authentically me every time I sit down in this seat. And because I'm a Christian, then you're going to get, some Christian truths, Absolutely. but you are gonna also hear some stuff that you're going to hear my mistakes in my own ideology mm-hmm. about life that may be biblical and may not because mm-hmm. we're all a work in progress. And so that's that disclaimer. So say whatever you're going to say. I said all that for you to say, <laughs> <Pray> say whatever <laughs> you're going to say.
0: No. So I was going to say, um, you know, when you subscribe to the idea that I'm going to stop band-aiding my problems, um, and really start addressing them, that it, it does feel like y- y- there's this open wound that's just open to the air. And so our initial um, response is to run away from that. And it's kinda like how we said earlier, where people are running running to sex, yeah. running to another person, um, and realizing that when we run to other people, we're either spreading our brokenness or inheriting their brokenness. Mm. And I feel like there's enough brokenness in the world already. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's not do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: let's not do that.
0: <laughs> let's not do that. Um, and, and like I said, let's heal the first time around. So I always advocate when you come out of a, any type of painful experience, it doesn't even have to be a breakup, but any type of painful experience where you have um, had disappointment, hurt, pain, grief. 2020 was a year of grief for a lot of people. If you don't sit down and actually start yeah. processing that and cleaning out that wound, it will um, penetrate every area of your life. Um, so, yeah.
1: What made you say that? What made you say that? Well, I know this is a, this oh, is a Christian. What made you say that? I was
0: trying to find my thought. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. So I was saying when, like when I went through mine, it felt like I was just in, came straight out of surgery And um, I self-medicated with alcohol, like, every day. I got off work and was just drinking. And uh, partly because I was still living with this person. Yeah. (laughs) So I was still living. Y'all wasn't together and y'all still. We were not together. We were still living together. (laughs) Oh, that's painful. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Painful to the point I would come home and he's on the phone with another girl already. And I'm just like, we haven't even moved out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because dudes, dudes, we ain't going to wait. We we don't waste no time.
0: Absolutely. No,
1: we're going to move on.
0: And it got to the point where um, if you re- I wrote a book that released, I think, June or July 2020, where I actually described the book picked up on when this relationship ended. And um, it was the night I was <laughs> we had just had a huge, big blow up fight um, to the point where I told him I was like, look, because um, he was the type of person that um, you could catch him. In the bed with five women.
1: You mm-hmm. gonna talk his way out of it? He and going would it say that was not. It me. wasn't me. It I
0: was wasn't not me. There, that's not what you saw.
1: It was a whole song called that. It wasn't me. You can and catch I mean, me in the shower. It wasn't me. You can I'm catch sure, me. It sure, It wasn't sure that I saw you there. <laughs> it wasn't me.
0: It wasn't and me. We we had a, a big blow up, and it, the blow up was over. And this is why, ladies, if you are listening, you you have to know who you are. Yeah. But I was adamant to hear him say that I did not love you, and he would not say it because I kept telling him, "Like you cannot say you love me," and we've talked about this before. You cannot say you love me and then do these things. Yeah. And in my head, I was so connected to him that I was like, "I just need to hear you say it so that I can I can yeah. let myself go. Yes. So that if if I hear you say it, then I will. I can leave this." That's the lie I told myself Yes, that I needed his permission to leave, Yes, that I needed his permission to him for him to finally say, you know what? I didn't love you. We're over. We're done. And now you can have your freedom. And unfortunately, that's the truth for a lot of women. Yes. They're looking for this other person to one, either be sorry, remorseful or give them permission to move on with their life. And it's a lie. Mm-hmm. It's the lie that you've told yourself to give yourself permission to stay in something that's breaking you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, we were having that big draw and it was a long fight where at the end I think he just got tired and it was just like, "I do not love you."
1: But <laughs> you, you you kept trying to ask of that.
0: Oh, we were going we were back and forth. Like, like,
1: you don't love me. You don't love me." Say you. Love
0: me. I was like just say it. Just say just it. it. I'm not finna say. Just say, it. "I told you, just say it." Okay, oh, if you just say it, "I'm done." Just say it. <laughs> And it was, you know, it, I'm telling you, it was crazy. I'm telling you, know? you it
1: happens all the time.
0: And so... Um, People can
1: relate to that. Trust.
0: And when he said it, it was literally like, um, like you know how you hear like a, a high-pitched noise? It was like I heard a, a chalkboard, scratch, someone scratching a chalkboard. And it was like someone took the air out of my body. Like, just mm-hmm. stunned. Completely collapsed on the, on the living room floor. <laughs> he you know grabs his keys he leaves and um i'm laying there and that was the first time that i i uh, i always say that's the second time i heard god's voice very clearly um by this point i'm completely exhausted and i heard god say if you don't get up and leave here you're going to die
1: it's go ahead god, <laughs> god told me that same thing in 2018.
0: and i knew when he said it that it wasn't A physical death, but it was going to be like a spiritual and emotional death that you have already sacrificed so much of yourself to be with this person. That if you stay at this point, every good thing that you love about you will die. And I was laying there and I'm just like, okay. And I got mad. I was like, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, fine. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go, but where I'm going to go? Because I don't have no money. I'm in Houston by myself. I have no family here. And at this point in my life, literally everything in my life had broken down. So I had fallen out with my family. Um, I didn't have any support in Houston. And um, he was supporting me. I was in graduate school. So I was like, well, what do you want me to do? I said, if, if you want, if you want me to leave him, fine, but you're going to have to do it. And so I called myself having an attitude with God and went to sleep. And the next morning, uh, my brothers called me. And my brothers, you know, never say that. They call me and say they're coming to Houston that day. And I was like, okay. I was like, I need y'all to move me out of here. And my brother's like, okay, yeah, sure, no problem. And they never come to Houston, ever. And they call me, they say, we're on our way. So they called me, they came, moved all of my stuff out that that same day. And um, I pawned everything like that. I literally had zero. I pawned everything that I could to get money. Went to go stay at a friend's house. And hopefully this friend doesn't watch your podcast. But (laughs) (laughs) she was, I love her to death. Um, She was a a coworker of mine. We weren't even good friends, but she was like, hey, if you need somewhere to stay, you can come here. So I went there. I'm sleeping on her couch. And this apartment was the absolute worst roach infested house (laughs) And if you know, I don't do creepy crawlies at all. But I was so broken. Yes. I looked at that roach and was like, what's up? What's
1: up? <laughs> I'm your new roommate. How you doing?
0: <laughs> what's up? My name Brittany. I'll be here. All, all 2,500 of y'all. What's up? Like, it didn't even phase me. And it reminds me of that story in the Bible where it talks about the son who was um, in the-
1: Yeah, it was- uh, Yeah. With what, the pigs. Yeah.
0: Because I had lost so much in myself that I was like, it the doesn't prodigal even, son. It doesn't even matter at this point. And just being so numb- and it was maybe a two-week period that I was there. And in that two weeks, I had just stopped, like, everything. And I had, <laughs> this part didn't make it in the book, but I had a Bible on this side and a bat on this side. And I said, God, I don't know which one I'm gonna choose today. One of them. I don't know which one. Because in that 2 weeks period, I was going through cycles of grief. Yes. Because I had just given this person six years of my life. Mm. And have nothing to show for it Mm. and to feel completely discarded. And for a lot of women, when they come out of relationships broken, it's feeling complete. Like, like I was, I was nothing more than a paper towel to you to someone. You were my moon star, sun earth. I would have given anything for you. And I was nothing but something you wipe your hands with and walked away.
1: Talk about it.
0: And so I'm sitting there trying to come to grips with this and the deepest part about it, In this two-week period, um, I was completely avoiding myself because I didn't want to feel everything I was feeling. And one day I was standing in the mirror, and I looked at myself for the first time. And I was like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know who she is. I, I don't know how I got here. And in the book I call it The Mirror of Ugly Truths, where I had to actually be honest about why I was in that apartment. And the truth that came out of it was that, Brittany, you knew. You knew (laughs) early on that this person was not the person for you, but he made you feel needed. He made you feel valued. He treated you like trash, but when he came and did the cleanup, he made you feel as if you were seen. And so you were willing to sacrifice yourself for this little bit that he gave you. That's truth number one. Truth number two. That's what you were taught how to do. I watched the women in my family accept so little from men and then brag about it as if it was the sun, moon, (laughs) stars and the earth and was taught that I should be proud to be picked by a man, even if he chose somebody else on Thursday. And so as I'm standing in that mirror, coming face to face with all of my truths, I just weeped and just weeped and just weeped. And then when I got up, I had to make a decision. Do I stay in this broken place and accept this reality of who I am? Or do I get to create something different? And I was like, okay, God, (laughs) I can't stay here. So I need you to tell me what you see when you see me. Because I have no idea who I am. So I need you to tell me, who am I? What am I supposed to be? Because I'm looking in this mirror and I don't like what I see. So I need you to tell me who am I supposed to be? And that is a, a question that he has been answering over and over and over and over again. Every time I continue on my journey of b- discovering who I am, he keeps answering, this is what I saw when I made you. This is, this is why I put you here. This is why I gave you that charisma. This is why I gave you the voice. This is why I gave you the personality. I gave you these things because I had an idea of who you were supposed to be. The tripping part about it is that that relationship had to happen. Yes, it did. Because I would have never got to a point where I was like, God, I need you. Right. So I don't regret the relationship ever. Yep. Don't regret it at all. I Mm -hmm. needed it because it was the tool that God used to show me that everything that you were up until this point was a lie. And so I needed to break you down completely to rebuild you into who I always intended you to be.
1: Brittany, let me tell you something. This episode is called Heal, Sis, Heal. But when I tell you I'm doing everything in my power not to completely break down on this episode, because when I tell you, you just talked about what I went through Mm. uh, for three years with somebody, and I always talk about that instance from time to time, but I never go deeper in it, and that's why I said God is so intentional about who he brings on this podcast, because I told God season two, I want you to just specifically bring specific people on this podcast because like I said people understand this is my personal journey and what people glean from these episodes is from the overflow of what God is doing in my life but this is my therapy so Mm -hmm. my podcast the Bible says confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed and so every week when I bring a guest on and we're talking we have these conversations I get another dose of of healing. It's like God injects something into my veins and be like, here son, take this. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, it is touching me in ways that I'm about to just run around this doggone studio right now. Especially when you said the part about God said that you will die. Mm-hmm. I had a text message from one of my good friends, her name's Renee, and God just used her as a intercessor. Um, in my life when I was going through what I was going through, and she would just text me stuff that she had no business knowing. She would just text me stuff, and I mean, prophetic stuff over my life. And I'll be holding the phone, like, "What the heck? Why has God uncovered me like this?" Like, I want to, I want to suffer in silence. I want right. to, I don't want nobody to know that I'm suffering like this. And um, gosh, the stuff that you were saying is like, it just, it just took me back. It literally took me back. Like it took me back, and I'm sitting there like I am not gonna cry while this girl is talking right now. I am not gonna do that. I have this that effect crazy. on people, man. No, you don't be. I ain't, I ain't in no therapy right now. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm, what, what you talking about? I did mean, That 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 that's powerful, and that's what I get the most healing from is when mm-hmm. people talk about what they've been through, mm-hmm. and I think we all get that because we go, "Hey, I wasn't alone in this. It wasn't just me in this," and. um so yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. I don't even know what other questions I ask you. You can, you can, whatever you feel led to say. I'm just gonna sit here. <laughs> I'm just, I'll I close it out once you say whatever you are to say next. But I don't even know nothing more.
0: I mean, I think you know, my I made 2021 my own personal um, declaration of being the year to bloom, and um, I'm taking women with me on this journey. And blooming means really uncovering every part of you that has been hidden. And, um, many times we hide from the greater parts of who we are because it does require greater responsibility. Yes. So helping women really own everything about you. That's fabulous. Everything about you. That's beautiful. Everything about you that adds value into this world. Um, I'm really trying to help women move out of I always, there's three ways in which we define ourselves. Um, the first one is who you are, which is the, the shell of who you are, you know? I'm a woman. I'm black. I, I you know, do right. this. I, th- I, I'm a therapist. So it's just the shell of who you are. Where I want that? people to start focusing on is, <laughs> and I got this from Yolanda Benzant, but it's how she says it, but it's how you be. And how you be is the essence of who you are. Yes. So the shell is just my outer form, but how I be is the experience of who I am. And um, I really want women to focus on how, how do people experience you? Mm. How do you experience yourself? When you walk into the room, can they feel your love? Can they feel your compassion? Do, do you light up the room? Do you stand out? Is there something about you that is memorable? And many times the answer to that for a lot of women is no, because they they have allowed life to minimize who they are, right? And when that happens, you don't show up as your full self in your relationships. Um, and it does such a disservice to the people who love you, because they should be able to love all of you um, without hiding who you are. So really focusing on the experience of, of how I move in this world. Um, and then... Um, what am, I, what am I put here to do? And that is where your legacy comes in. That is where your gift comes in. That is where your passion comes in. And that's where you are being used as a tool to make change in the world. So my goal is to really help women move out of this shell idea. Do you know how many women I ask them, who are you?
1: They can't answer. And they
0: cannot answer. I can't
1: answer. Yeah. I, yeah.
0: And imagine marrying someone who can't define who she is. Yeah. It's tragic.
1: <laughs> so, Brittany, I'm gonna conclude this because I'm finna be messed up. I'm trying. I'm trying not to just just totally lose it right now. Like I'm. I'm trying my best. Keep it, I'm,
0: keep
1: it lit, man. I am keeping it lit, <laughs> but I this. I'm just finna just literally just want to just get in the corner and just cry right now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this is messing me up. One of the things that you said earlier about um God, you said God, I need you to tell me who I am. It's amazing that God. Asked uh his disciples the same question. He said, Who am I? And he asked them, Who am I? Mm-hmm. He said, Well, some say that you're John the Baptist reincarnate, some say that you're a prophet Elijah, some say this. He says, But who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. And he was asking them that question of identity. Because it talked about, you've been hanging out with me all this time. You've been kicking it with me all this time. I don't care what other people say that I am. I want you to tell me who I am to you. And then he says, I say that you are Christ Jesus. Um, and that is so powerful because one of the things that I desire in my future wifey um, is for her to be able to say who I am. Mm-hmm. When I ask you, who, who am I? Because, mm-hmm. because if I'm just, I'm oh, just some dude, you some, you Laters, you just, you some dude. You know what don't, I'm saying? Don't get me started. Yeah. It's just like, oh, then you, then you, you I'll be like, okay, thank you so much. That's, that's nice yeah. meeting you.
0: I, I'm, and listen, I, I love teaching. This is why I say love is my superpower. Cause I, I love that. I don't, I actually don't teach on it as much as I would like to, but when it comes to affirming your king, I tell women, you have to speak to the character of the man. Mm. It's one thing to tell him, thanks for taking out the trash, you know, thanks for picking me up from work. But when you can talk about, thank you for being consistent in my life. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for uh, validating me. Thank you for being someone I can depend on, someone I can trust. Like it goes deeper when you can speak to the character of who he is. Yes. Because sometimes they need a reminder. Yes. And if I can reflect to him what I see, Mm then when he looks at me, I'm always beautiful. Yes.
1: <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I had a conversation with my uh, friend, Arisha. We did a live uh, this past, well, when this episode airs, it'll be this past Saturday. Um, with It was celebrating the one million views of Dear Future Wifey, and Kariga and Corey just went into affirming who I am and who I am to them. And Corey began to talk about how, uh, him meeting me, what less than six, what about six months ago mm-hmm. changed his outlook. And as I've subconsciously been a mentor in his life and made him a better man. And I was just listening to him and I was like, Oh my God. Cause when someone speaks like that to me, it just, it, it, it hits differently. I'll just say it. I'm a words of affirmation. That's my love language. And so I was just like, Oh my God. And then I saw Narisha on the video. She started clapping her hands and stuff. And I was watching the playback today and I was looking at the video and I called her and I said, I'm noticing you in the background clapping. Why is that? She said, because people get a chance to see who I've always seen you be. Like you are a dope guy. She said, you look for, you look for opportunities to be a blessing for people. You go seek it out. Like she said, you go seek it out. And in the middle of talking to her, she began to cry and say, You remind me of my father, like like in his la you know, in his older years that he looks for opportunities to to be a blessing to people. And I said, because I just love people. Right. So I love people. I'll try to find if it's a homeless person, I'm gonna try to change his whole life. Like I love being a part of people's lives where I can change the trajectory of their lives. And um, but to just hear those words spoken, um, those are my flowers don't don't you know celebrate me when I'm gone but I I love to be I love to hear that when I'm alive and so I commend you on the work that you're doing um, and helping women rise to their queenship and speak to their kings because you hear all this stuff and these these songs that the great I mean just make men feel like they work you know worthless then it's great to see uh, the opposite but um, how can people reach out to you
0: um, everything is BrittanyNoel.com So my website BrittanyNoel.com Instagram BrittanyNoel Facebook BrittanyNoel
1: And make sure that you click the link at the bottom uh, or, the, or the link in the yes. description of this episode on YouTube If you're watching this on YouTube To be uh, linked to our I Am Worthy podcast Absolutely. So thank you so much Brittany for joining us on the Dear Future Wifey podcast You showed up and you showed up Dope, dope, dope individual Thank you
0: Thank you for having me
1: This episode hit differently. While I was talking to Brittany, I began to flashback and think about the toxic situationship I was involved in. And some of the stuff that she said was some of the very things that God told me to um, encourage me to escape that situation. So this episode hit, hit really differently. Um, I normally write these letters the day, um, after I shoot the episode. And so leading into, I couldn't even begin to write the letter for this episode. I just didn't know what I was going to write. And then God began to tell me, I need you to forgive and let that situation go. And so, so today, to the woman who hurt me two years ago, I forgive you. I'm releasing you today. I forgive you. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that the person wasn't wrong. Forgiveness Simply means I no longer Hold that account I no longer Hold that debt I no longer Even hold the docket Where the offense Was made I forgive you Dear future wifey Today I totally release the pain from my past Situationship I finally truly forgave her and dropped off the remaining load I didn't even know I was still carrying at the feet of Jesus. I am mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically available for you. Heal, baby, heal. Do the work, the tough work, the introspective work, the necessary work, the intentional work, the God-ordained work in your life before I make you my wife. You're dope without me, but our dopeness together is a whole entire meth lab. Explosive. My love. Just think of how astonishing and powerful we'll become together. Our chemistry will be our ministry. Your future honey. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit. Live intentionally and transparently. And don't stop loving